0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio live at the Flyers' Carnival here at Wells Fargo Center. The gang is all here once again. Well, no Steph. No Steph. Uh, But we have subbed out uh, Steph and brought in Ryan Quigley. And Steve Jaco of the Flyperboli fame—I've heard that it's a great show. You should probably listen to it. <laughs> uh, I've been
2: told it's good. Uh, <laughs> Seems like that is not true. It's <laughs> yeah, actually a terrible it's show. A really bad
1: show. <laughs> Here we are, and this is pretty cool that we're it's recording really cool. live on location yeah, at the uh, what's the? It's not the Flyers' wives carnival. Flyers charities. The Flyers oh, charities yeah. carnival. Yes, the team's winning all of a sudden. Like pretty good time for them to be doing this uh little yeah. get together yeah i guess if you're
2: if you're a player like you don't want to face the fans when you're in the middle of a 10 game losing streak well here's my question if they had not fired chuck fletcher like would he have come to this like everyone <laughs> that's a great point. Like, to, right?
1: everyone comes yeah but like,
2: like i mean they knew he wouldn't he wouldn't yeah, have been like,
1: he got booed at the town yeah, hall
2: meeting like that would have been oh, rough what well,
1: when we hear that they wouldn't have fired the GM if it was like up to certain people, did those people take something like this into account?
2: Yeah, like, like, I guess, like you can't, that could be ugly. You can't
1: make decisions based on the carnival. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, <laughs> I was about to say, but like it would suck to be him and just like twenty thousand people show up to go, yo, you shouldn't be it, employed. In well, fairness, but
2: they did it at the the town hall. In fairness, though, I will say that I don't know if there could have been a better fundraiser for Flyers charities than if they would have put Chuck in the dunk tank.
1: Chuck in the dunk tank. That's oh. true. Oh. Yes. <laughs> oh,
0: that's true. I'm just I'm a, I'm laughing imagining like the players getting together and saying like, guys, the carnival's in a week. We have to win. Like, <laughs> We've got to start winning, or else we're gonna have to face them face to face, and it's gonna go horribly for us.
1: Like the so. vets are just like, no, you don't understand. It's the whole fan base. <laughs> it's everybody. <laughs> these are the ones that
2: are still around. They're in
1: your face. How many of these guys were here the last time they had a Flyers carnival? <laughs> That's, That's a good yeah. point. On
2: Folks, the- I believe I have just seen a Ryan Ellis jersey.
0: No. Oh my <laughs> God, I see it too. <laughs> is it's it Ryan not- Ellis? Is it Ryan Ellis? Not- it Ryan because, Ellis? Because, no, yeah.
1: I can tell you it's not because I didn't see the red beard. It's just, is red beard. Although, the most
2: distinctive red you- is the tragedy of him not being. It's true. The, the yeah.
1: whole The whole organization is here. Yes, is he? I mean, maybe there was a schedule like right in front yeah, of us. He was not, not,
2: on, not on the list. Yeah. Tanner Lazinski was on the list, but
1: there was like there Kiefer were, Bellows was on the list. Yeah, there were a <laughs> number of guys that, like in our preview email, like, "Hey, get ready to come to the carnival." They named it's their first time at the carnival, and but they haven't had the, one since uh, twenty twenty pandemic. Yeah,
2: right? Brad Marsh is, is coming. Huh.
1: So we have a uh, we have a guest joining us. In just a moment, we'll be joined by Brad Marsh of the Flyers Alumni Association. So
2: Brad, how's it going? Very good. Good, this is exciting, right?
3: The doors doors are open and the people are in smiling. So how many of these have you done so far? Well, believe it or not, I was uh, drafted by Atlanta Flames in 1978. They did a carnival as well. So my first carnival, Are we on the? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. I think oh, we're. I'm right. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. I we're thought we were making small happy. talk. <laughs> okay. Oh, <good. laughs> yeah. uh, we'll get it all in there. Okay, yeah. good. So, uh, 1978 with the Atlanta Flames was actually my first carnival. Um, Flyers Carnival started in '76, I believe, and. Uh, Forty-four years, right? Well, you do the math. <laughs> that seems like 44. Isn't, isn't it in her notes somewhere? Yeah, yeah. But No, but the, the Flames did it, and it was quite something because as a rookie, mm. the rookies uh, had to go in the dunk tank. Uh, of course. Yeah. And so, like, fast forward to 2023, the, the players aren't going in the dunk tank. Yeah, I was about to say, that. what a leap we've made yeah. from players going in the dunk tank. And you, won't be- you won't believe this. One of the boosts, which once again the rookies had to do, mm. 1978 was a kissing booth. Oh, baby. Kissing booth.
2: The good old
3: days. You think
1: yeah. it the players? Yes. Oh, that's why. Just the rookies, though. <laughs> oh, okay. Just the rookies. So oh. A different
3: time. <laughs> that's so the lineup went for a mile, and there wasn't a damn Playboy model in the lineup, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the
0: funniest thing about it is I thought when you said it was a kiss, kissing booth, I thought you meant that the Flyers had to kiss each other,
3: which oh, would have no. been just as fun. No, no, this was with the, the Atlanta Flames. Still, yeah. 1978, so. Oh. So anyhow, the carnival was good, and uh, like I said, we went in the dunk tank, and uh, so I've had, I've been a part of carnivals for many, many years, and yeah. uh, they're a lot of fun, and it's a great atmosphere to see the fans in a different light. Like I said earlier, they're all in here smiling. Of course, we've won a couple games in a row, but... They're here to meet uh, their players, their favorite players, the ones that they, they cheer for each and every night. So yeah, go ahead. yeah.
2: I guess I mean, how exciting is it to get this back going? And it's obviously been a few years, you know, because of, of challenges out of everyone's control. But to get it back going and kind of to restart the tradition.
3: Well, I, I think it's it's great. Um, they uh, we were lucky to get one in in February of 2020 before the world came to an end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's just great to have it restarted. It's great to, as I said, to see so many fans here smiling. And all, what I love is pretty much everybody has orange and black on, and that's cool.
0: So, I, I guess a good question I have for you is for after doing this for years and years, obviously you have to have some incredible stories. Um, you know, what's something that stands out to you um, over the years that you've seen just interactions with players and fans, and how does it stand up against? Uh, Bill and Charlie getting dunked today, <laughs> because clearly it has to be number one on the list.
3: Yeah, well, the, the carnival, like everything, has really evolved, um, mm-hmm. and I realize it's the Flyer, Flyers' charity carnival. But back when it started, it was the Flyers' wives' charity carnival, and the wives actually did a good part of the work on the carnival. And it was quite a bit simpler. There was no Ferris wheel. There's no merry-go-round, um, but. Uh, you know, every year the the wives uh, got together and they picked a chairperson. Uh, see, I'm right up on the lingo. I was going to say chairman, yeah. a chairperson <laughs> to run uh, the carnival and kind of be the liaison from the from, mm-hmm. on behalf of the wives. Uh, but the the wives were all involved in planning it. Fran Tobin uh, was the representative from Flyers Charities that uh, worked with all the wives. My wife was chairperson chairperson for two years and uh, we have great great stories great memories uh, but it was simpler times Uh, a lot of the times each player was assigned in the old spectrum if you can picture that we were in a concession booth and they had one of the wheels and you know we were were the ones talking to the fans because there was no social media back there there was no posing for a picture and and really autographs weren't a big thing back in the 70s and 80s it was more they wanted to meet the players and interact with. Them. So we were in uh, in the concession stands and spinning the wheels and, and uh, you know stop here with lucky prize and hey and in the concession in the in the in the beverage well we have some we had some adult beverages in
4: there. Uh, <laughs> All day yeah, with and, the fans. Yeah, Understandably. <laughs> and,
3: and so it was it was a different time but the principle of the carnival hasn't changed. It was an opportunity for the players to interact with the fans, for yeah. the fans to meet their players, and uh, so it's a great time. Uh, the, the players always look forward to it, um, and uh, and it's great that we have a couple wins under our belt because when you meet the fans, it's always better to have a winning season, a couple wins, as opposed to you know having the carnival on a down note.
0: I was about to say, it's funny you bring that up. So like let's imagine they had like a couple losses coming in. How different would the vibe be going in as opposed to like now when they're on a nice little run here? What a five game point streak now?
3: Yeah um, yeah. Well I think the vibe for the vast majority of the fans that are here today is all positive. Yes. They they like the players through thick and thin. Uh the, the naysayers or the boobirds if you will. They're too cheap to buy a ticket to come down, <laughs> and uh, but anyhow, I think or, or they're the, too scared to say to a player's face. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're really uh, they got a lot of courage from the uh, top level of the of the Wells Fargo. And now, on Twitter, yeah, and, and on, on Twitter. Oh yeah, uh, but you know what? It's a, it, 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 as I said a couple of times. It's a, it's a great atmosphere, and the vast majority of the people here put their negative thoughts aside, and they just want to come. And, and support Flyers Charities, which is phenomenal. They want to come and uh and meet the players yeah. yeah
0: so when you're going into planning this obviously it takes a lot of work a lot of planning from a whole group of people involved um what i'm sure there's a little bit of nerve the day before the carnival hoping it goes well were you more scared for your first nhl game or your first uh, carnival that you played well i didn't have anything game.
3: to do with planning this although i planned mm-hmm. carnivals we did one in ottawa when i retired with the senators mm-hmm. um, i i had much the same role up there i ran the alumni but i was also I ran the Community Development Department I said, say, Flyers run an unbelievable carnival, we should do one here. Mm -hmm. And and so you're right, but the thing is, with playing your first NHL game, you dreamed of that moment. So you were nervous, but you're also excited about that moment. Mm Uh, with the carnival, you didn't dream of uh, one day I want to <laughs> yeah. do a carnival. Hey, speak uh, for yourself. You yeah,
0: yeah, I went to clown school. I'm okay. ready to go. This okay. is where I belong.
3: Good. Well, you should be down in the dunk tank. <laughs> <All> the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. I'm yeah. ready to go. But anyhow, it's a different. Uh, Fires Charities that does all the work for this. Uh, they're a well-oiled machine, and um, although it's been a couple of years since they had one, most of the people that are here working on it today, this this carnival uh have been involved in previous carnivals and if you look around the volunteers that are here are some of the volunteers have been volunteers year after year after year after year and so it's great to see uh the mechanics of the carnival come to life
0: so you just brought up some of the alum um of all the flyers alum which one would you like to dunk in the dunk tank the most (laughs) if you had to put a put your Uh, finger on
3: one well, I don't know. One we'd get the most kick out of it would probably be Joe Watson. Uh, but uh, yeah, Why him specifically? Well, 'cause he'd be he'd be yelling and screaming all the way down into the water. And uh, no, Joe Joe's a great guy, yeah. and uh, as everybody knows. And uh, but there's a lot of guys that might fit that bill. Uh, but we're not in the dunk tank, so we don't have to worry about <laughs> Yeah, it. no, yes, you get yes, to stay dry today, right? That's right. Yeah.
0: So, tell me more about the upcoming uh, the alumni walk uh, run. Tell me, like, what's that all about? How can people get involved? And what? Well, the, yeah.
3: the thing is, is the uh, I'll give a shout out to the NHL alumni first. The, like, there's no other professional sports that does what the NHL alumni do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's 32 teams in the National Hockey League. We have 32 alumni chapters that are all making a difference in the communities in which they, they live in. Mm-hmm. And some are better than others, some are more active than others. And our Flyer alumni, um, we're, uh, you know, we're one of the best in the league uh, when it comes to alumni. Uh, no other professional team in Philadelphia does what our Flyer alumni does. Uh, we put smiles on, on kids' faces, we make a difference in the community, we're very active. We have several majors event, major events throughout the year. Uh, several initiatives that our fundraising uh, uh, supports. Uh, and one of our one of our fundraising events is April 30th, Walk, Run and Stroll. It's a fundraiser for uh, disabled military veterans, in this case, the Flyers Warriors, which is a great hockey program that uh, <clears throat> our alumni in the Flyers started about four years ago for disabled vets. We play hockey. Uh, I oversee the program along with a number of other people Rob bare from Flyers and a number of the disabled vets as well. We play hockey, uh, we go in tournaments, and it's a heck of a lot of fun. And you'll see a whole bunch of the Warriors here volunteering today. Uh, so it's a fundraiser for the Flyers Warriors. Walk, run and stroll April 30th. Uh, a very historic uh, location that we have, it's in Washington Crossings Park. So our start finish line is right where Washington and his troops slept. And our route that we're running or walking is uh, the same route that, he, that the troops took to cross the Delaware. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of neat, fundraiser for the military guys, and, we, and there's a history in our site, so, in our location. So uh, yeah, you can go on flyersalumni.net and, and sign up. Walk, run, and stroll. That is
0: April 30th. Um, so let's talk a little bit of hockey. So the Flyers the season, obviously, I feel like a lot of people are a little little disappointed with how things have gone. What are your expectations for the end of the season? What would you like to see at the end of the season? And what are you hoping to see
3: going into next campaign? Well, I know there's a lot of Flyer fans that are saying, "Ah, why are we winning? You know, there's a good player. That's the thing. But even if you finish last place, it's not a guarantee that you're going to get the player that everyone's talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, I get that. Uh, I remember when the Sixers were going through the Trust the Process. <laughs> that would tick me off that to no to end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That would tick me off to no end simply because you can't do that to your fans. Right. You pay good money to come and put your butt in the seats and cheer, oh, we're not playing anybody and we're going to lose this game. Right, right. Totally wrong. But most importantly, I think most people uh, are very excited about our young players that we have. They've really, really shown a lot of good stuff. And so what message do you send to those young players oh, we're going to lose tonight? Yeah. So <laughs> the message... Play that, the worst the, you can. Yeah, the message that Taurus has given and delivered has uh, been heard loud and clear. And the guys that we have in the Flyers' dressing room now, yeah. they're all playing for contracts next year. They're playing for ice time next year. So there's no way you can tank. And because of that, because we're not tanking, I think it bodes well for the future of the team. Because let's face it, we, we, we have a certain mentality of Flyers hockey. Flyers hockey isn't freaking losing. Yeah. Flyers hockey is winning. Mm-hmm. And that's the message that's in that dressing room now. And I think the, fly, the uh, fans should embrace that because we don't take second fiddle to anybody.
0: Yeah. Well, there are better days ahead. Yes. Everyone's looking forward to it. Brad, really appreciate it. I know you got to run. Thank you for joining Broad Street Hockey. No. Okay. And uh, we're looking Thank forward you. to the run. Thank, Thank, you. Yes. Awesome. Thank awesome. you. Thank you, Brad. Yeah. Yeah. see you all later. Yeah. Paul Mahler, thank you so much for joining from Team Toyota.
5: No, I'm the president of the Tri-State Toyota Dealers. Tri-State Toyota Dealers, okay, no So we're all a team. Get it right, Ryan. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no. Get it right. We're all a
0: team. <laughs> oh, we're going poorly. So yeah. all right. So all when, we, sports, right? when we when <laughs> we start off, when you come into this Flyers Carnival, um, what kind of goes through your mind? This is obviously an exciting day for you, for the Flyers. Like, what's the big uh, the big draw for you as well?
5: Uh, well, first of all, the excitement of being here is just, is, is ama- it's infectious. Right. Uh, it's, this is our, I can't tell you how many years we've been doing this, um, but I guess quite frankly the big excitement for me is when I know, I know the result of, of the work that they're doing and I've been involved with a lot of the charities that get some of the benefit of the money that they raise through mm-hmm. this. That's the excitement for me because I know that they're, they're doing so so much for so many people uh, and I know we've had this conversation with uh, with the Flyers organization before. Uh, somebody, there was a, a quote that somebody gave me once, and I, I I won't quote it exactly, but basically it goes: If you are doing well, and you're not doing good, Ooh. you're not doing well enough. Right, right. And we at Toyota agree with the Flyers in, in that respect, and we want to make sure that that we are doing we are doing pretty well, yeah. and we want to make sure we're doing good. So that to me is the is the biggest takeaway from this that. All the effort that they put into it to get all these people down here uh, to participate, uh, and it's it's not just you know a typical charity event where somebody comes down and they ask you for a donation. These people are having the time of their lives down here. Right, right. So when you can come down and have a great time, bring your family. Uh, it's a wonderful day outside. It's even a better day inside. I know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just it's a it's a wonderful thing to see. Uh, And quite frankly, it's just a heartwarming thing to be a part of. And we're we're
6: thrilled to be a part of it.
0: So you kind of just touched on this, just the infectious nature of the event as a whole. What to you is your favorite part of being at the Flyers Charities Carnival? Uh,
5: Well, the excitement of it. But I I guess for a lot of these people, it's... it's, I've had the opportunity in doing things with the Flyers to meet some of the players. I'm, I'm pretty close with some of the older players, a couple of the newer players. But to come down here and see people that you see on television night in and night out and get an opportunity to see them in person to maybe shake their hand to get an autograph to say hello uh i I see the kids love it you don't get a chance to do that with movie stars or with with (laughs) you are right with with tv stars i mean these are people that are that are stars to these kids kids and to these people uh and they get to see them in person that's just a i mean they're real live people with with families and, and they have mothers and fathers and kids and brothers and sisters. Right. I think that's, that's you see them at a different light. Uh, and for them to come down and uh, literally donate their time uh, for this event, I think is just, is just awesome. And I know, in, especially, like I said, I'm friends with a lot of the older Flyers. They don't see this as an obligation. They see it as an opportunity yeah. to give back. And, and they are great at doing that. And even the, uh, the current players uh, it's not like they feel bad that they have to be here. I think they're excited about being here because they see the excitement uh, in the in the fans and mm-hmm. and especially the kids. That again, they play in front of them night after night, but they don't get a chance to look them in the eye and shake their hands and right. say hello. And uh, that's got to bring some joy to them. So it's just it's a good thing for everybody involved.
0: Yeah. So during a season like this, when it's kind of like the Flyers haven't quite met fan expectations that they had prior to the season, how important is it to have events like this to bring the fans back in? Have a, we, There's literally a six-story Ferris wheel out on where the ice surface normally oh, is. Um, how important is it to have events like this during a time when the fan base is a little bit down at the
5: time? Uh, it's, it's very important. Yeah. The good news about the Flyers, and quite frankly, Philadelphia in general, uh, people are Flyers fans, sort of win, lose, or draw. And yeah, they're disappointed when they're not winning, and they're real excited when they are winning, but they never seem to go away. Right. And that's Philadelphia in general. There's not too many cities in the country that have a fan base like Philadelphia, whether it's whether it's the, the, the Flyers, the Sixers, the Eagles, uh,
4: the Phillies,
5: uh, they're, just, they're sports fans. Right, and it's a city where um, people that don't come from either of Philadelphia, Maybe a Boston, a Chicago, uh, a New York. Uh, these are people that their grandfathers are from Philly, their fathers are from Philly. Uh, they're, you know, they're grown grown up in Philly, raising their kids here. When you're from, uh, you know, you talk to somebody from Atlanta, nobody from Atlanta is nobody in Atlanta is from Atlanta. Yeah. Nobody in Denver is from. I mean, their grandfathers were. So that's what I think makes this when when you're the second and third and fourth generation sports fan in Philadelphia. You're just excited about the team, and they have their ups and downs. And the you know the Phillies have had their down seasons. And last year they were in the World Series, and the Eagles were in the Super Bowl. And uh, what the, are for Phillies sports? Are, yeah. Oh yeah, and and I have no doubt that the Flyers are going to be next. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spent some time with the uh, with the management, with the with with the coaches. I happen to be friendly with Danny Briere, mm-hmm. the new general manager. He's going to do an unbelievable job. Mm-hmm. Frank Tortorella is just a, a, a wonderful job, oh, John, John Tortorella. Is just a wonderful wonderful guy has a great vision and visions like anything else take a little time to uh, to to, uh, to, show, to bear the fruits of your labor mm-hmm. and I have no doubt that they're going to be able to do that so it's uh, the anticipation is as good Thank as the uh, as the event itself so they'll be back I have no doubt
0: so what do we have planned I don't know if you can even disclose this information yet but I have to do my do my part and dig a little bit what do we have planned for next year's event for the uh carnival is, is that even in the works yet or uh, it is
5: it is for them it's probably not for us yeah we are of. yes we are sort of yeah, we, sort right of a, yeah, yeah. We, we let me put it to you this way we are absolutely going to be involved whatever the flyers need us to do we will do um, we will participate and we're, we're involved with the flyers all year long mm-hmm. whether it's flyers charities whether it's the wounded warriors uh uh team um it's, and they support our events. We do our Toyota Tundra food drive for Phil Abundance every year. Mm-hmm. The Flyers are big, big supporters of that as are all the other teams mm-hmm. and the TV and radio stations. And uh, so that's what's great about Philadelphia. We help them, they help us. When they need us to do something, we're gonna help them. We're, we're, not, we're not their sponsors, we're their partners and they are partners with us and that's how we, that's how we view our relationship with them. And uh, so whatever, they, I know they're gonna have it. I know we're gonna be involved. And, you know, what that exactly will mean, I don't know, but um, we will be here.
0: Awesome. Good stuff. Paul, thank you for joining us. My We're looking pleasure. forward to next season. We're looking forward to everything, all the work from you guys as well. And, uh, yeah, go Flyers.
5: Thank you. Appreciate awesome. Being of course. Here. Thanks for your help. <laughs>
0: thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you very much.
5: We are here waiting for
2: Charlie to get dunked, and we are asking people why they want to dunk Charlie O'Connor of the Failing New York Times. Why do you want to dunk Charlie. He talks smack about ABBA and says their music isn't good. And you know what? I don't, I don't like Jimmy Eat World, so he can deal with it. That's a great answer. Great answer. Love that.
0: All right, folks. Welcome back. And we have heard from... Who have we heard from so far? We've heard from...
2: We've heard from Brad Marsh.
0: We have. And we, <laughs> Paul <laughs> Muller. Paul Muller. And now we are joined by uh, Sydney Stutman, the Senior Vice President, Community Relations Executive Director of Flyers Charities. Cindy, thank you so much for joining us today.
7: Thank you so much for being here, guys.
0: So this is a big day. It's the first time we've had a Flyers charity in a couple of years because of COVID, right?
7: Uh, not that we're counting, but since February of 2020.
0: Not that are counting, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Were you, like, this is such a, it's been a long time coming, people, fans have been wanting this to come back for a while, how good does it feel to finally have the charity, the, the the carnival back up and running after a little hiatus? It's
7: incredible, like, this whole year has been, like, a back to normal for us, getting right. players back in the community, all that stuff, but now this is, like, the last official piece, right, like, this is our signature event, this is where the most people come through the doors, it's the most fun day, we've raised the most money, so we are so excited for it to be back.
0: Yeah. So, I have to say, one of the big, one of the big draws today is definitely going to be the dunk tank, <laughs> for sure. What do you think is going to have the bigger draw? Bill and Charlie getting dunked? Or perhaps, like, do you think some of the flair, players getting dunked would have a bigger draw? <laughs> I say Bill and Charlie. And I which player would you like to see get dunked more?
7: I don't know. I think we've, we've heard today that they wanted to buy out the whole sessions for Charlie oh, oh. <laughs> just kidding just kidding just kidding but i know that he was a good sport getting down there yeah and we appreciate it it's all for a good cause yeah and um i'm not you're not going to trick me i'm not putting any plans
0: <laughs> yeah yeah. okay so which I
7: have a, I have
1: a quick yes. is gritty getting in the tongue tank and is gritty large it's too pretty too large for the dunk tank what?
7: I think we'd have to size up the dunk tank <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in right. order to get Grady to participate. And but he did host a breakfast this morning. Oh, that's true. That's so
1: true. You want to get that wet. Like, that's a lot of fur. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say is pretty buoyant? Is a great question. We're not
7: going to test that today. <laughs> test and
0: you never want to swim on a full stomach because
7: that's how exactly fresh. it's bad.
0: We, we don't want
5: anything wait. happening yeah. to precious grip.
0: What is gritty's go-to breakfast food? Would you say?
7: Well, I'll tell you today they had all kinds of toppings for pancakes, like Lucky Charms marshmallows and that makes Sprinkles and yeah. like as much sugar as you could sort of pack a punch with.
0: Sounds very gritty, sounds like it. So obviously going into this carnival, like ton of planning goes into it, a lot of work from a lot of different people. Tell me about that process. What goes into creating an event like this? And just like, what, like who else? I know there are some unsung heroes as well with it. Like, who are them, who are they, and like what do they do that help get this really off the ground? I'm
7: so glad you asked me that question. Yeah. Because our charities team, Julia Dougherty, Christine Sibley, Ryan Hemsley, and our events team, Sarah Bos and Jack, uh Meredith Tracy, and Caroline Calhoun, they came to work yesterday for the Flyers game and have not left. So it has been, and that's just the final sprint, right? They've been working on this for months and months and months and months mm-hmm. and headed in the final sprint or on 30 hours or whatever it is straight at this point. But it is a big undertaking from Flyers to Wings games last night and then to turn this all over for a carnival for doors to open at 10.30. It is a huge lift, and those guys really killed it.
0: What is your favorite thing about the flyers charity carnival
7: you know what i think my favorite thing isn't any one attraction it's like looking in here the vibes in here are so good right like we were just talking they're terrific yeah so like everything is orange and black right here the people coming in are decked out in their orange and black everybody's in a good mood the players are here in a great mood and this is what it's about right like this is how we connect and Mm -hmm. this is as an organization like this event more than anything else we do it's who we are yeah and so it's great to be back to who we are
0: One of the big goals for hockey hockey in general at large and especially in the nhl we hear it all the time we want to grow the game and events like this i feel like are very important when it comes to growing the game and having new generations of kids pick up a hockey stick for the first time how important are events like this in your mind to creating you know new hockey players down the road
7: it's hugely important and flyers charities growing the game is one of our pillars So some of our partners that um, do that in a really big way are Mm -hmm. here today. So uh, Ed Snyder Youth Hockey and Education was always one of our biggest partners. They're here today. We're about to cut the ribbon on a rink that we built together in Kensington.
0: Um, Oh, that's awesome.
7: In a few short weeks, so information will come out about that. But it's a gateway to get kids into ice hockey, right? Like get them playing on the rink outside there in Kensington and then let them get on the ice. It opens them up to not only playing more hockey, but a lot of the great scholarship programs and educational resources that Snyder has. And Playworks, who we presented um, an $85,000 check to a few months ago, they're getting ready to launch a a uh, year-and-a-half-long campaign where they're going to bring hockey into four underserved elementary schools in um, Philadelphia, Where they're going to bring it into their recess. They're going to bring in coaches. They're going to bring in equipment. They're going to bring in a curriculum. They're going to teach them hockey, and it's going to culminate with these four schools in a jamboree-style tournament, (laughs) so huge. Like We want to grow the game as much as we can, and events like this do help us raise the money to do a lot of those great things to support those kinds of organizations.
0: That's awesome. That's exciting. So, Obviously, we were just talking about the planning that goes into an event like this. Has the, Have the wheels started turning already for next year's carnival? Is it already, like, that far out that you start planning the next one?
7: As soon as we sleep after today. <laughs> it's already yeah. on to the next and, one. And I think that along the way as we've been planning, there's things like, well, if we have more time to do this, like, let's put that up. That's a next year.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, a next yeah. Year I have
1: phone. to imagine this is a strong cup of coffee kind of thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. I was one of the things that's very
1: interesting to me about this. Thing. There hasn't been one, believe me, this thing is hearing me. I'm no, hearing no, one. no, I'm good. Um, in a couple years at this point. So there hasn't been one in a couple years. And given the roster turn, turnover on the Flyers, many of these players have never experienced this before. Uh, do you think they, they understood the scope of the event? And also just how important this is to the Philadelphia
3: Flyers, based on what you saw.
7: Yeah, it's not just rookies, right? It's like guys like Kim Atkinson, who's been here for a couple years, has never been, never yeah. seen a carnival. Right. And it's like that on our staff, too. Anybody that started after COVID has never seen a carnival. So I think we talk about it, it's big, it's big, it's big, but you don't really, really get it until you see it and are here. And I think a lot of people are looking at it today, like from, yeah. even from the inside, like sort of in awe about, how big this is
0: and and how much we're going to raise. Yeah, yeah. So what are the the big goals for, um, like, do some of the players, like, as we've seen this past week, they were on a little bit of a skid, and now all of a sudden they're on a five-game point streak. Do do you think they see the carnival coming up? They're like, we're about to see the fans face-to-face. we got to start, we got to bring our A game.
7: I hope so. I yeah. have, I mean, the carnival's got good vibes everywhere. So it who, does. Who knows, it does. Who knows what the impact was, but it's great that um, fans are coming in in a good mood, the players are coming in in a good mood, mm-hmm. and it's a good time to be a Flyers fan yeah. this week.
0: What else can we prepare for? Can fans prepare for from Flyers charities in the coming months, weeks? Uh, obviously, we have the next year carnival, but there's much more between them. Uh, what else can fans uh, keep an eye on?
7: Yeah, so I think you'll see a lot of um, the fruits of the gifts we've given. So you'll see um, the, the launch of that hockey program I talked to you about in elementary schools, the, the rink launch. Um, Penn Medicine is going to start their mobile prostate cancer uh, testing unit, which we've given to this year. And then then we're in planning mode for next year, right? And so probably our next big thing is the Gritty 5K, which will be...
0: Oh, that's going to be um, so much fun. Yeah, in yeah. October.
7: So if you haven't done that, that is another super good vibe event. Yeah. With, with a lot of costume Gritties and a lot of... It's like the anti-runners 5K. The anti-5K 5K. It's a lot of
0: fun. That's exactly my kind of 5K. You're not going to catch me running. You're never going to catch me running. Awesome. Um, Cindy, thank you so much for doing this. Really, really appreciate you joining us. And uh, yeah, that'll do it. All right, folks, welcome back to Broad Street Hockey Radio. We are now joined by Flyers assistant coach Brad Shaw. Brad, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. So, all right, so it's been quite an interesting season. First of all, let's, let's get started with today, the carnival. This is obviously a fun day for everybody. How's your day at the carnival been? What's have there been any good highlights so far?
6: I was uh, down at the shooting with Daryl Williams. I think that I've never uh, been involved in one. Mm. I think the greatest thing about the carnival is the average age out here. Right, like there's so many young kids getting a taste of, you know, being a Flyer fan, getting to meet the guys, getting to sort of get it ingrained. And uh, the beauty is they're Flyer fans forever now, and that's. Uh, I think it's great. You know, a lot of the fundraisers around the league raise a lot of money, but a lot of it is with you're not you're not touching the kids personally. You know, they're not getting the chance right. to be involved in. And, mm-hmm. and so that's why today's pretty cool.
0: So you hear all the time in the NHL and really just hockey at large, like grow the game. We want to grow the game. And events like this, I feel like are really integral in the growth of hockey. Do you, how big is that do you think for the growth of hockey? Events like this?
6: I think it's fantastic. I was telling the guys at the shooting station, all their sticks are adult sticks. Yeah. I said, guys, 80% of the shooters are four uh, four or five years old. Yeah. I said, we need some shorter sticks next year. Right, right, And he goes, well, I think what we do is we have this group of sticks, we lock them up, and then when the next hey, carnival comes along, we open it up, and they're there. I said, well, just get a saw in it. Yeah, and cut out <laughs> yeah, really. It's, you know, they're trying to handle, uh, you know, it's, a, a stick made for a six foot five tra- Travis Sandheim trying to shoot, but um, no, I think it's fantastic. I, I uh, seeing the Philly fan in all the sports, and you know it's been a pretty exceptional year here. Right, right. First the Phillies and the Eagles and to see uh, how this city embraces their athletes and their pro sports mm-hmm. games. It's a pretty special area, uh, and I think this is a big reason, this carnival, why the Flyer fan base is perpetual. It's, yeah. You know, it's never-ending, because you just keep feeding it with all these kids that get access to this sort of event.
0: So, like, I know you're a bit newer with the Flyers organization. Have you had, so far, a quintessential welcome to Philadelphia moment yet? Has that happened for you yet, or are you uh, waiting for a big one?
6: Not, not too much. Like I will <laughs> say, I live over on the Jersey side. Okay. Uh, I when you when you drive and you and you get to a yellow light, <laughs> in most areas I've ever lived in the world, that means to gauge your speed, you probably have to slow down. Uh, here, it's go as fast as you can. There's no rule. It's go as fast as you can. Uh, I talked to Provi. Uh, he said he got hit from behind twice his first year. And I, I told my wife, I was here uh, three weeks before her, I said, listen, uh, you, you gotta be ready. Right, right. It's full contact uh, driving. It's, it's what it feels like, because mm-hmm. if you're not sharp, if you're not alert, uh, and so that's that's probably the, was probably the, the biggest early change I had to deal with. Was yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the yellow lights and, and, and being ready to have two or three more people go. Oh, yeah. Even when it's red. And so <laughs> that's, that's some yeah. It's like a challenge, yes. honestly. That's how they see
1: it is it's a challenge. It's yeah, like, yeah. To Philadelphia most of the I can tell you. That's how they see it. It's yeah. a challenge. It's like, yeah. Get your motor running, Get out on the highway. That's like, what so it they, feels you're like. Right,
6: yeah. <laughs> we had a busy we, we were somewhere, I can't remember what city it was recently, and he went through a light like, just I'm like, man, I wonder if this guy's from New Jersey or Philly. Yeah. Like, I wonder if he's from this area because it was like wow, he's not slowing down. He's going wow, he's going right through this light. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so, I, but no, it's been it's been fun learning about you know everybody, all the people that have come and visited, want to get right. a cheesesteak, they want to see the Rocky Steps. So we've done that a few times. Um, it's, it's such a great like, yeah. The experience of going to the top of the Art Museum steps and like yeah. being out such a great place. yeah, yeah. It yeah. is a really to me the what's the one of the coolest things about this area is we are in the Rocky Steps. And I put it in ways, I'm going home, and it's like seven miles away. Right. And I'm I'm there in 15 minutes. Like, for the size of this city, and, and maybe I'm in an area where I I don't get exposed to too much traffic. It's incredible, incredible to me how little traffic there actually is. Yeah. It's for the number of people that are here. Uh, yeah, there's some bad times of day and bad areas, but tell you what, it's it's, it's incredible. Yeah. I feel like in Philadelphia, I can get most places in fifteen to twenty minutes. Whereas other cities I've been to, like in Chicago, yes, I feel like Chicago it takes me forty-five
1: minutes to get anywhere. Yes.
0: New York, it takes a day to go one mile. Yeah. I mean, it, don't but even Lincoln try. Boroughs,
1: you yeah, you it, it takes like two days. You know, yeah, back, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pack a change yeah. of clothes,
6: yes.
2: and, you know, some snacks.
6: Right. <laughs> I went to Chicago. I went to St. Louis from the Islanders. Uh, the radio guy went to Chicago. I see him. We're in Chicago. Hey, John, how you doing? Uh, good. Where are you living? Oh, I'm about 45 minutes away. Well, yeah. That's great. He goes, well, it's like over two hours with traffic.
0: Uh-huh. I go,
6: well, that's, that makes no sense. Like, yeah. <laughs> who wants that? And so, you know, I'm coming from Vancouver, which is crazy, but I was five years in Columbus. Real easy city to live in as well. So yeah. Yeah. It's been great coming here and having the chance to you know, not have to be exposed to that awful traffic in some cities. That <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Are, uh, so you're a newcomer to the Flyers. John Tortorella also is a newcomer to the Flyers. You have experience with Torts. You guys were together in Columbus. Um, I'm sure you have plenty of legendary John Tortorella stories. What is it like working with John Tortorella, and how is it different compared to working with other coaches that you've worked with?
6: Well, we, we certainly don't overcoach. He's really... Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a big theme of his is to uh, not give the players too much information right So for me going into Columbus it was it was uh, eye-opening how little uh, video we did and in the, I was five years there with him uh, you know we had a 16 game winning streak we we beat a team 10 nothing, and we beat a team four straight when we beat Tampa there was about 40 points ahead of us in the, in the uh, regular season standings. So we did some things that were things I had never done before as a coach or as a player even. Right. And I, I attributed a lot of the learning that goes on uh, on the road. So if you're not spoon feeding them everything, there's, you, there's a bit of a vacuum or a void. Yeah. And so some of that now falls on their plate, and they have to invest a little bit more, and they have to do a little bit of, more of that uh, trial and error stuff. Uh, and so I think the first two or three months isn't, isn't surprising to me. I wasn't in Columbus the first year with Torx. Right. When he took over after 10 or 12 games, whatever it was. So I didn't see his first exposure to a team, mm-hmm. which is what I saw this year. <laughs> I found that interesting but I also found there's a bit of a learning curve for guys getting used to how he coaches because it's pretty different than most uh, head coaches and certainly coaching staffs on how much is how much information is given to players <laughs> for me and so that's a that's you know an adjustment for every player that's an adjustment for a guy like Rocky Thompson who has never uh, coach with him, Daryl Williams had exposure with uh, torts in Vancouver, so he knew a little bit about torts as well. But for for everybody, for, for I'm sure for Chuck Fletcher, there was this, uh, you know a, a growing you know the, the, the transitional element, whether it's a week long or five weeks or two three months even, uh, for some of these guys to just get used to what's actually going on day to day and how things are run. Right. Are are pretty. Uh, different very different than most staffs but be different from every staff for sure yeah that's you know for me I remember in Columbus when you come down the hall after a period you turn right to the players locker room you go left to the coaches there was a few periods we were so bad I was sure we were turning right yeah and we just turned left <laughs> and I asked him after a few of those I said you know you don't like going in after that period he goes no he goes they're not gonna remember what I'm saying anyway. Yeah. Because I want our leadership to dig us out of this hole. Right? Mm-hmm. I want I want them to have the room. I want them to have the voice. You know, we would go in eight, nine minutes before and talk about what we wanted to adjust or things we wanted to focus on, but that that seven or eight minutes where it's just the players, let them figure it out a little bit on their own. And we did have a great leadership group there with Flino and and Jenner and Jones. Right. And, And some of the other guys that were there (coughs) Um, and so they did take over but what you got then was a it was a collective sort of push to be better the next period you know somebody didn't get reamed out and get you know centered as the guy that you know right all your fault or it's all this guy's fault or it's all this elements fault they went in and they they digested it themselves Mm -hmm. and they figured it out themselves and to me that's how you grow quicker as a group, and that's how you get to uh, gel together a little bit better quicker as a group. So um, I'm anxious to see you next year. Mm-hmm. I really am. I, uh, one of the best parts about this recent surge is it's been driven by you. Yeah, it's been driven by our younger guys, and uh, that's really exciting for uh, for not just the coaching staff, but the fans and everybody involved. Yeah, uh, it is. A, it's a the trend line is certainly pointing in the right direction.
0: Yeah, and one of those youth players that I wanted to bring up was, and I feel like anyone could probably agree in the last year, no one has taken a bigger step than Owen Tippett has. Um, What has impressed you most about his, really the metamorphosis we've seen from Owen Tippett this season and really just kind of becoming an offensive weapon for the Flyers now? Yeah, he he looks like a a potential
6: superstar, not just a star. Uh, I think I would say... One of his bugaboos early on was there would be elements in a shift where there would be a shift where there was not a vacant stare, but almost a not a full investment into the shift itself, Mm -hmm. physically or mentally or whatever. And I think what's gone on through this year, I think he's you know there's a realization for some of these guys as they realize how good they are. Mm -hmm. Like hey, I am, I I can beat this guy one on one. right? Right. I can check this superstar on the other team. Mm-hmm. I, I can be a more valuable element to a winning hockey team. Uh, that's a that's a growth that I think he's he's earned through mm-hmm. the, through all the good things he's done, and then has been emphasized, you know, by getting more ice time, towards playing him more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we started losing guys. We lose TK on the penalty kill, I'm like you know, how how about how about Tippet? He's got an offensive ability, so if it's on his stick it's gonna be down the ice, uh, which is a big element of penalty kill for me. Uh, he's a he's a strong guy that can skate and win pucks. Mm. Uh, you know, we don't like him blocking all the shots he's blocking. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, know, Do you that's, agree with that?
1: Yes, I'm glad you're saying. <laughs> yeah, that's an <laughs> issue. You know, I, I kind of cringe you when he comes head. Head. Yeah. I don't yeah. want you necessarily putting your foot. It's there. such yeah. an interesting
0: <laughs> point of view because, like, so often I feel like fans think coaches want all players to get down, block shots, and it's refreshing for fans to hear that, like, some players,
6: it's like, get out of the way, let the shot get yeah,
1: through. right, right, yeah. yeah.
6: A like I'd like them. Uh, I had this, you know, talk with Panarin in Columbus. Hey, we'd yeah. love to get you out there the last 30 seconds because you're such a weapon offensively. He goes, eh, I'm not sure about blocking shots. I said, well, if you're doing your job on the penalty kill, they're not getting a lot of shots. Right, right. Right, so, you know, there's so many last night's seven penalty kills. Uh, we, we blocked a lot with our stick, actually. Uh, it's been a bit of a focal point of, of ours of, you know, kind of lean with our sticks so that we're there sooner. And what you get with that is you get sticks on pucks a little bit more often. Then you don't have to block. It. You know, yeah. a guy like Nick Sealer, he's looking to block. Shots. <laughs> yeah, he's looking. Where's the next shot that I can go and try and put a body part in front of? So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know, Risto's a natural shot blocker. Yeah, uh, Sandy, there's guys that just have a real knack for getting in the way. Uh, Seldom want your top offensive guys, yeah, not ideal eating those uh, the, the big one timers or what <laughs> have you. But uh, I do appreciate the willingness, like, that's a, a great sign, too. That he knows that it's the team based play, yeah, it might hurt, uh, hopefully not get injured. But yeah, we would rather not have some guys get in those scenarios quite as often as they do. I've
1: seen him in is just such a great feeling and as you're saying like it really does
6: feel like he's evolved his game this year well he said to me and i part of my cell job when i wanted him to do it was listen uh i think it's going to help your overall game you're getting penalty kill is basically checking with one last guy so you have to set routes you have to make reads you have to offer support you have to know how to win a puck in a small area all of these are tangible things you take in your five-on-five game. Play. And he said that to me after like five or six games. He goes, I feel so much more comfortable in certain scenarios that show up on yeah. penalty kill, but also show up on five. And I go, well, that's that's great. That's, I'm glad you've actually identified that. I said, and that's that's why. Like, that's why the best players are good mm-hmm. penalty killers. If you want to be a... Do you want to be an Austin Matthews who doesn't do it or do you want to be a Mitch Marner on that team? Do you want to be a, a Bergeron type guy who's now playing, I don't know, his 18th or 19th year? Yeah. And is on a team with a you know, godly number of points and look like the absolute favorites in the the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is such a valuable player in all three zones for 200 feet for 60 minutes,
2: and to me, Tip
6: has a chance to be that type of player, maybe more offensively spent and always more than Mergeron, but there's going to be a point where he's going to slow down, and there's going to be a point where he's going to get a little uh, less zip on his shot. How do you stay valuable? Yeah. How do, you, how do you still get your 15 or 16 minutes a night? That's what these complete players do, and what... What these guys get out of getting exposed at only kill is they get a chance to be closer to that complete player.
0: Well, Coach, we know you've got to run, but before we we do let you go, I have to ask you. I had oh yeah, go ahead. So, yeah.
1: So John Tortorella, obviously <coughs> huge personality in the game, key hockey personality. If you had to imagine he was
6: doing one thing. Not basically like, <laughs> What would you imagine he I think I know the answer to this actually. Oh, wow, that's a great question. I I think he is actually uh, so wired. Like people are you know, always say, "Oh, how could you work with him?" I, I think he's the most genuine guy in the sport. Yeah. Uh, there is no gray with John Torrella. so I would I I don't I can't picture the job. But I would say it would involve black and white. It wouldn't. There would be no shades of gray in what he was doing. Uh, I know he absolutely loves what he's doing right now. So um, you know, maybe he has found the perfect job hmm. for himself. Uh, but I can't picture him doing anything else. Yeah, myself, I right can't though. either. <laughs> I, it's,
0: I can. I can imagine doing something with dogs, probably with yeah, pets. Yeah, yeah, something
6: animal related. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He does have a passion there as well, for
0: sure. Which, uh, last question for you, which player and or coach would you like to see in the dunk tank?
6: Player or coach. I, I think TK, just, <laughs> just to hear the banter after. Because he would have something to say, absolutely. Um, yeah, the dunk tank's actually pretty fun. I, I, I think... Uh, there's four or five guys that I wouldn't mind seeing get in there for different reasons, but the, the top would be TK, just because, just you know, it would tick him off so much. He, and so he would come <laughs> out with an attitude that would be priceless. So that's,
0: that doesn't shock me no. in any way, shape, or form. Hey, Coach, really appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much for joining the pod. And uh, All right, folks, next up we will have Jim Jackson joining the podcast, so stay tuned for that. All right folks, we are back. Thank you for listening to Broad Street Hockey Radio. And first or er, uh, finally, last but not least, we have the great Jim Jackson I'm joining. Wow. Last 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 one. You're following up You're following up Brad Shaw. Brad Shaw yeah. just joined us.
4: Uh, now, no, I can talk, but Shazzy might have me beat. The man can talk. He gave some He was He was telling us some good stories about yeah. torts, about oh, Brody yeah. everybody. His so. intelligence quotient's much higher than mine, too. So.
0: So, first things first, I want to ask you, how are you enjoying the carnival? What has been your favorite part of the day? How's it been?
4: Well, this is like, I'm guesstimating because we lost a couple, probably like my 27th carnival, yeah. somewhere there. But the first one where I've actually been down with the people, because usually I, we're doing our television show, which at one point was a two-hour show, then it got down to an hour, but I was in a studio, or up in a club box, or a suite, or and I was pretty much by myself, or whoever I was co-hosting with, and a couple of guests you know sponsors and so forth but i wasn't down in the actual carnival so after 27 years i'm actually down it's so much fun mm. uh, being able to mingle with all the flyers fans and um i can i can feel uh, obviously this homestand came at the right time because there's, yeah, there's this feeling of hope which we haven't really had in the last couple of years so yeah. um it's been a lot of fun and and uh, it's been great to talk to the fans and to meet all the young fans, and uh, so a really different kind of carnival for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially after the COVID, like, gap, you like, yeah, Yeah. it just makes it feel a lot more kind of triumphant. Yeah, Yeah. so, um, also, I want to ask you, like, events like this are so big in the growth of hockey. We hear it, it's not even just the NHL, it's just the, in hockey as, at large, we want to grow the game, and we hear it all the time. How important are events like this to you when it comes to, we see kids all over the place here. The growth, the future of, of possibly NHL players one
4: day. That's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I grew up in upstate New York. There was no NHL team in Utica. Yeah. But there was, an. at that time, I think there were an EHL team. And I can remember to this day, I was probably about 10 years old. They had this, this promotion where they put the players literally on the bus mm-hmm. that they traveled on, and each player would sit in a different seat and fans got to go onto the bus and go down and get autographs and talk to the players. And I can remember that day like it was not yesterday, but like a couple of years ago. <laughs> and to me, that was one of my formative moments in becoming a hockey fan. Right. I My father soon thereafter got season tickets, we went to every game, and then you, know, you, you fall in love with the game. So it's events like this where that happens for a lot of young people. They get to meet a player that maybe they've seen on TV here or there, uh, or maybe they come to the games already, but... You get to meet them and it brings it more personal um and then of course more important than that is just the fact that this event is a bunch of people having a lot of fun hopefully Mm -hmm. and they're raising money for great causes yes and that's what it's all about i mean just this year i started uh, a program that the flyers took the ball and ran with it uh which we call a flyers press pass where we have a a family that's been affected by cancer, usually juvenile cancer, um, and we, we bring them to a game and give them the full treatment uh, through Alex lemonade stand. I'm, you guys are probably familiar with that, but that was Alex, who I had met. I, I got tickets for her family when, when she was alive to come to a game. This is now 15, 17 years ago. Yeah. and. I remember that day like it was yesterday. We got them to a game, took some pictures, and and she sadly, of course, passed. But her legacy has been to carry on, and her mom and family have done that. And Alex Lemonade's Stand earns thousands and thousands of dollars. So we do our small little part by having a family come to the game, try to get their minds away from the illness for three hours. And uh, Gritty is there, you know, and we have a player come over, and we bring him to the booth. They get a Zamboni ride. Full Mm -hmm. treatment. and, And that has meant... I'm not sure we've even won a single game we've done in the Flyers press pass, but after the game, I'm like, man, this was a good night. Because yeah. you see the look on their faces, the families' faces, and if you can help those families in any way, mm-hmm. it's, it's worth it. So uh, that's my small part. Each player on the team this year has a different charity they're involved with, and yeah, they, they took that on the beginning of the year. Uh, some players really dive in, most of them do, and it's so great to see how behind their cause they are, and uh, and they get to support those causes at this event. Uh, so there is what you talk about: fans being introduced to the game and the players, and then there's raising money for great causes. It's just a great day, and it's it's great to have it back. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's it looks I mean, like it's I just
2: feel like this is the best energy I felt in this building
1: on a really really long
4: time. right. Yeah, the Flyers. Yeah, yeah. For the Flyers, yeah, yeah.
1: It feels, flyers, yeah. Yeah.
6: But it feels great. Like it's, it's refreshing. it does.
4: Well, one thing that we need to be very careful of, and I include myself, I'm not i am not talking at you guys here, I'm including myself in this, social media is not a fair representation of society. Mm. Somebody told me that, I don't know the exact numbers, but something like only 25% of people are on Twitter, mm. just choosing Twitter for one. And of that 25%, 12% do 95% of the tweeting. So when you get down to the people who actually do most of the tweeting, yeah. it's such a small percentage of society. Very So we we all do it. I do it myself, and I, I fight myself. But I think you guys, younger generations, probably fight it harder because you've grown up with this. I did not grow up with social media. So it's easier for me to just shut it off. Right. But it's hard for you guys. It's been your, in your life. We grew up with it. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, and I tell young reporters, I tell young broadcasters, yes, use it as a tool. Yes, you can get a gauge for what some people are thinking. But we all think that everybody hate it. All fans hate the Flyers right now. And this event reminds me that's just not the taste. I mean, I'm down there and I'm ready to say, have to tell these people, there's reason for hope. They're telling me I'm so pumped up. I'm so yes. pumped up. So, we, we just have to understand that, yes, the social media is, is great in so many ways. It's great for charities. It's I mean, I just told you about Flyers Press Pass. A big part of that is getting the word out through social media. But there's a lot of haters out there. There's a lot of people who just tweet to hear themselves, see themselves. Yeah. And, and some that don't even care. They just like to stir things up. <laughs> there's and, a and, lot of exactly. that on Twitter, Absolutely. yeah. And we take that all to heart. I mean, I get criticism about my broadcasting all the time. And, you know, it's it's small small percentage, but you remember that more than you remember tens and Always. hundreds of people who say yeah. you did yeah. a great job. So it sticks with you, and so we remember the negatives. We just have to remember there's so many Flyer fans out there who still have hope. I run into them at Wawa. I run into them, uh, you know, when I'm doing events and things, um, and I don't necessarily run into them as much on social media. Right. So we have to remember that. There is a large segment of the fan base. And in reality, there's also a large group of people who have let their season tickets go because the team is going to miss the playoffs for a third straight year. Reality. That is reality. It's the second time in franchise history, which really says something about how good this franchise has yeah. been, that it's only the second time. Yes. Yes. But I Absolutely. arrived here the last time it happened. My first year was the fourth year. Check that. It was the fifth and final year of the five years they missed the playoffs, Ooh. late 80s, 90s. Right and so my first year was Eric Lindros second year the difference was they had acquired Lindros just over a year before so that had completely dismantled the negativity I mean Eric Lindros was a flyer now they didn't make the playoffs the first two years with Eric including my first year which was his second then Bob Clark came back made the Leclerc trade and it just took off yeah um and then they made the playoffs like 13 14 straight years and Hadn't gone two years in a row missing the playoffs until last year. So we've been spoiled. You're absolutely right. And um, right now we're going through the second toughest stretch in franchise history. So I understand some fans are results-driven. They should be. This is a results-oriented business. Mm -hmm. But I also know there's a group in this fan base that is so ready to pounce right back on once this team is successful. And a homestyle like we're having right now. Now, uh, there is a side of me. I love Connor Bedard. I also love Fantilli. I love a couple of other players. Yeah, in the this top is a very draft. deep draft. Yeah, yeah. And, and what was a top four has kind of become a top five with Will Smith. So yeah. I'm, and it was just becoming a top five. I was talking with Charlie about this, just becoming a top five. He was selling me hard on Will Smith, and I'm like, okay. So if if the Flyers finish fifth from the bottom and nobody jumps over them, we're going to get a, a really good player. And so I convinced my producer to start putting the lottery numbers up. Yeah for the second game of the homestand. Mm. We haven't lost a game of regulation since. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, you know, we're now, what, seventh? Going on eighth, we're, we're going the other direction. So there is a side of me. Not as much the, the small percentage chance of getting Bedard. That goes from like 4 point, you know, from 7.5 right. to 4.5. Yeah. I'm not worried about that as much. I feel if like the hockey gods are going to give it to you, you're going to get it at 4.5 if you're going to get it at 7.5. Yeah. But the positioning in the draft between 5 and, let's say, 8 could be big. So they're hurting themselves a little there. But if this were a bunch of the veterans carrying this team to all these wins, it's been the young players. Yes. I mean, it has been Owen Tippett. It has been Tyson Force. It's been Noah Case, Morgan Frost, uh, Carter Hart, who's still a young player. Joel uh, Faraby. He and Joel, Joel,
0: yeah, Joel Farabee, right? He's 23.
4: Yeah. Uh, he's been here a while. But these are young players, so they're the ones carrying the team. I mean, certainly... You know tony's had a good home stand and and some other veterans have but for the most part this has been about the kids driving this wagon on this homestand so that's so important for the future of this franchise so i'm able to rationalize a little bit the drop in the draft place for the fact that we're seeing the future blossom right before our eyes
0: i was just about to you mentioned hope and i was just about to ask you just how and in- unbelievable This the emergence of a lot of these young players have been. We've seen Noah Cates become an excellent two-way player. We've seen Owen Tippett become a legitimate offensive weapon. We're seeing more of Morgan Frost now. Yeah. Like There's a lot of positive to take from it. What has it been like for you after kind of going through the last years where there were a lot of bumps in the road, and this year you're seeing that young talent develop into really good players. How rewarding is that for you? To
4: it, well, this homestead has been very rewarding. Yeah. I, it's, it's been a strange year because I expected bumps early and they came after the the, the early start which was Carter Heart driven, but then, right. then they you know they were losing the, the territorial battle, all the analytics early on, you knew that wasn't gonna last and sure. it didn't. And then they went into the slump. But you could see toward the end of that slump that they were losing in overtime, they were losing all, almost all one or two goal games and the torch system was starting to, to take take hold. Right. And then out of the holiday break they started winning. And then you look at the standings and they're actually in the race. Right. So, my hopes probably got a little bit over where they should have been. Um, And then it crashed, TK's injury really, they they had this paper thin edge. He He did, and you know, without uh, Coots and without Cam, they just didn't have any room for air up front because they just didn't have a lot of playmakers. So, it went went south and it was going south until this homestand, Right. right? So, this has been a really important homestand. And to answer your question, very excited. It's been it's been fascinating to watch the different trajectory of all the players. Cates has been pretty much great all year. Yeah. Uh, Owen Tippett just shot out of a cannon 25 or 30 games in. Mm-hmm. He had a couple, a little dip, but then he shot back up.
0: Around the holidays, he really turned yeah. it off.
4: Yeah. Uh, Morgan Frost has been almost this steady, very probably too slow for torts. <laughs> incline going up. Yeah. No, uh, Joel Farabee didn't show any sign of life until really this homestand. But he had a uh, bit of an excuse with this. Lot. The yeah. A lot of problems. with um, the job. Yeah. So it's yeah. been different. He's got the yeah. He does. Yeah. I'm not sure that was fair to, to Joel. When he did. <laughs> it was done tongue in cheek a little bit. But Joel's a good <laughs> player, and he's going to get better. And the bottom line is trajectory different for all these guys. But now they're all getting there. And you know we haven't mentioned even Cam York. And yeah. And as I said. Carter's still 24, which is young for any player, but for a goalie, it's it's even that much more young because goalies usually mature later. So it's a very young nucleus. Um, what they're going to do from here is anybody's guess. I mean, I think the older veterans, obviously JVR's contract runs out, uh, Justin Braun's, uh, Kevin Hayes, it doesn't look like a fit with, with torts. I love Kevin Hayes as a person. Um, but I don't know if his playing style fits. I don't know if he's happy not being a center, so that might be yeah uh, uh, one of the subtractions that Torres is talking about. Uh, on D, Travis Sanheim and, jo- and, and uh, Ivan Probrov going to be very interesting. They've got a kid Emil Andre coming over who I think could really surprise a lot of people. You've already got Cam York. Zamul is showing he can play. Ronnie Adders still got to get a shot. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, and Nick Steel has shown he's absolutely an NHL defenseman. So all of a sudden, you he got, might be
0: a forward with those moves. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, so we're
4: calling him Slick Nick now. So. <laughs> I love but it. I mean, you you have these pieces all of a sudden, and it's so much fun to have pieces. So yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see where it goes. But uh, this homestand has really crystallized the fact that there is a future here, and it's a future that a. It's pretty exciting, and B might be here earlier than some people, including Charlie O'Connor, think. Yeah, yeah. Charlie and I battle about this all the time.
1: Oh, yeah. Charlie (laughs) is very
4: intelligent. Yes, he is. But he is—you know—he's in full for the full rebuild. But the full rebuild will mean you're trading some of the players we just talked about. Yeah, we're not just trading veterans; we're trading
0: potentially, yeah, potentially young
4: places. or or maybe. Even a Morgan Frost, somebody like that. So yeah. if if Danny's going to do a deep rebuild, you're going to trade the young players and get pretty much all draft picks. I think it's going to be more they trade veterans, maybe try to move enough pieces where you get a young player back, yeah. add to your stable, maybe some draft picks. If they trade a Proveroff or Sanheim or somebody like that, you might have to get picks because they do have to restock, Right, trade a lot of picks away in the D'Angelo and the Ristolainen trades and, and you know, trading ghosts with picks. So they, they lost a lot of picks, so they might have to get some of those back. But I don't think it's about trading even the players that are here, like Tyson Forster and these young players, and starting from right the very bottom again. Yeah. That would be a four- or five-year process. I think it's more you add to the young nucleus you're seeing develop. Um, it might even add a veteran, not an old veteran, but a young veteran, and you try to win within the next year or two. Right, yeah.
1: So unfortunately we have to wrap things up. So with ah, one final question. Told you I could talk. I oh I could talk to you all day. <laughs> so final question. I need to talk about this. The legend is leaving us at the end of the season. Yes. Yeah.
6: Uh, we are is devastated that. by it. So we love Coates. He Always a huge Coatsy fan. What's next for Coatsy in your opinion? Because it could be anything. He's a man <laughs> hey.
2: of many traits. And what's your, yeah. your favorite Coatsy moment? Yeah. When what? I hugged Coatsy. When I yeah I can't share
4: most of them <laughs> <laughs> honestly. But when I hugged Coatsy. When it was official, we kind of had known this for a while, but I said, it's official, let me give you a hug. He says, I'm not dying. So, (laughs) understand, you're going to see Coatsy hosting events. You're going to see him on ArenaVision. You might see more of him. You might hear less of him. You won't hear him on the radio broadcast. But you may see more of him now or moving forward than you had the last three or four years. So, first of all, let's say that. He's retiring from radio. Going to miss him. I mean, personally, I'm on the air when he's on the air, so I don't hear him that much, but I hear clips. Timmy will occasionally play clips of some of the stuff they say, which, by uh, the way, I, I, yeah. would get Jonesy and me so fired on TV. Yeah. It's the, the freedom you have on <laughs> oh, radio. <I> <laughs> but, uh, but they are awesome, and he is awesome. And he was my first broadcast partner when I came here. He took me under his wing, was just... I lived with him for two months, which that, really? some of the stories I can't tell came from those two months. I would Sorry, imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm going to really miss good. him from a standpoint of being on the air. But he's going to be around. So I'm going to see a lot of him. We're all going to see a lot of him. Good. So let's celebrate his career here in the last part of the year and on April 1st. Let's not uh, mourn like he's passing because I think that's really seriously what he wants to do. Stories. I'll tell you the one, you guys all saw it. It's when we <laughs> punked him. I mean, he, he is the... And he's going to still do more of this i'm sure the expert punker all right he got gene hart he got gary donoffer he got me he got jones he's gotten all of us at some point or another. he got me i had a I blew out a tire on the way to the uh, airport for a trip to buffalo to for the game so so i missed the flight which is a big no-no you know you're gonna yeah yeah so but i mean i almost it was a blowout i tried to tell these guys i was on the side of 95 it was a scary situation you know, it was life-threatening. It wasn't quite maybe that bad, but it was pretty close. I had cars whizzing by me, and, you know, you can feel the Oh, yeah, the it's terrifying. Lo- and I couldn't get out. There was no cells. This was, That's how long ago this was. So anyhow, I finally, you know, I finally got the car towed. I, I took the commercial flight that night. I get to my hotel room, and I go into my room, and it's 95 degrees. I, I go to order food because I had eaten all day. She couldn't hear me. Uh, was, the bed was short-sheeted. No hangers. Uh, cellophane over the toilet. They had ran, they'd completely ransacked my room. So that's Coach's punk of me. He that's got me. And he got so many other people, right? So we finally got him. I know you guys are running out of time. But we finally got him when we had Peter Luco, who was running the team at the time, to write this letter with a letterhead and letter from the league saying that they're changing the philosophy with the ringside reporters that they had to wear these huge helmets uh-huh. in order to be down there. And the date was such and such. And so that date came and he fought and he hated it. He's like, "This, I'm getting out of this, I hate this. And so that date came and we put this big monstrosity on him. We did, I think, two periods where it was like that. And then right before we started the third period, I got the pleasure of with him on camera saying, Coetzee, you've been punked. And we all exulted because he had punked so many of us over the years. I found out later on he had actually caught wind and just played along a little. But we did punk it at least for a while. Yeah. He thought it was real. So that's my favorite story I can't tell. There are so many more I can't tell that are way better stories. But I can't tell. Yeah. Um, just give me that NDA,
1: and I'll hear them all. Yeah, <laughs> Secret's so, safe with us. I just want to hear yeah, no, <laughs>
4: yeah, I, yeah. Coach, he's uh, the best. The very first time we went to Chicago, I, I hung around him. I mean, I was he was my mentor, right? mm we're walking, supposedly going to a restaurant or a bar. It's probably more likely a bar, and <laughs> I'm. We're walking, and is we're slowly getting less and less lit neighborhoods, and uh, you know, Coachy's it's kind of wrong way Feldman, to be honest with you. And we didn't have GPS back then, so we're walking. I said, Coachy, you sure hey, you know where this place is? He goes, Yeah, it's right up here around the corner. We're walking. Before we know it, we're in South Chicago. Literally, we're walking around in South Chicago. That is. Not the place. Not where you want to be. Not the tourist area. <laughs> Not the no, no lights. I'm like Coatsy. What are we gonna do here? We got no <laughs> GPS. That's Coatsy, you know. And uh, it just, A little off the just yeah, yeah. Uh, but eventually he'd get us to the bar though, and then uh, then the fun really began. The yeah. So uh, just uh, one of the characters of this, one of the absolute characters of this uh, entire sport. Yeah. But certainly of this organization, and. 43 years of service to the organization do not come to an end for Coetzee with the end of this season. 43 years in broadcasting maybe, but he's still going to be very visible. So let's celebrate his broadcasting career here over the next little while. And uh, we'll wait till uh, much, much later on to mourn him because he's got <laughs> lots of life to go.
0: Well, we're glad we're going to see his face around. Thank you God. Are. Yes. Thank God we need him around. And say oh, about Coetzee,
4: you hear him before you see him. <laughs> so... We'll be hearing him if he's around before we see him. Literally, feel, you hear him before you see him.
0: I feel like that sounds a little bit like us, Steve. They're doing the yeah. Owen Wilson wows yeah. down the hallway. It might be me too. That, yeah. I want
4: you to say no mirrors in your house, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: ladies and ladies and gentlemen, Jim Jackson. Thank you so much for joining My us, Jim. You guys. Really, really appreciate the it. Awesome.
1: All right, fam. Welcome back to the Flyers Charities Carnival. I wanted to say Flyers Charities Podcast, but this is a podcast. We're at the carnivals. The location. Uh, Yes, the event. We've had a lot of fun today. Charlie and I went in the dunk tank. Charlie had the uh, honor of being dunked by Gritty himself. With a kick. (laughs) kick. (laughs) Straight up Spartan kick. I was dunked by my wife and many children. (laughs) Uh, Many small children who were trying out for their local Little League team. Full wind-ups dunking me what was everyone else's experience i didn't get to, it was basically from what i could tell the ryan quigley hour
2: it was, <laughs> it
0: was the real
1: <laughs> mvp today it's crushing it out. was yes. basically
0: me and steve and kelly was around too we were just kind of interviewing we interviewed a bunch of people we interviewed uh you know i mean jj was one of the big ones uh brad shaw i went like, to the bathroom
2: and brad shaw was magically being
6: interviewed by you and i was called. Like yeah i know Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. We got some... I mean, Bradshaw's great on the mic.
1: I, I could talk to Bradshaw for hours. I could talk to J.J. Yeah. for hours. Yeah,
0: it's they like both a have nice a lot guy. of good stories. They, they seem were, great. No, Bradshaw
2: yeah. is a really... Honestly, I mean, I've covered him this past year. He's yeah. a really intelligent dude. Yeah. Like he, and, and you can see why, like... I'm not saying that the Flyers penalty kill is anywhere near fixed, but you can see why, like, they are accepting the idea that like we need to create chances on the penalty kill he's more of a forward thinking guy Mm -hmm. than like most NHL head coaches or assistant coaches are
1: right and that was the big takeaway we had from the conversation he was talking about oh it's a penalty kill talking about things like having the puck so that the other team isn't shooting on you yeah
2: a wild concept
1: it's you know something I wish someone would have thought of that before (laughs) like one of the five of us over the last three years perhaps it's truly, truly. But the carnival is the reason we're here. Yeah. And, you know, we talk a lot about this hockey team. And most of the time, it's not positive.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And they haven't really given us reason to be. Yeah. But mo- things like today, the community engagement, it does remind you that, like, the Flyers are bigger than being a hockey team.
2: Yeah, And the fact
1: true. that you can get all these people here... Uh, Contributing to a great cause and having these experiences, even though no one's happy with the team, no one's happy with what's going on on the ice. I mean, maybe the last four games, but it's still a community of fans, and that's kind of it's the reason we exist as well. So it's it's really great to see. What was was that kind of the takeaway from you guys' interviews today?
0: Well, yeah, like when we were talking to Jim Jackson, Bradshaw, like just about everyone we spoke to, like one of the big takeaways is like. You hear it all the time, like throughout the NHL and just the sport at large, like, grow the game. And like, it's events like this that help create the next generation of hockey players. Mm-hmm. And like, how many kids, I mean, there's, there are kids all over there. Like,
1: a million kids. kids, yeah. It's yeah. crawling with small and they're children.
3: they having a blast. Yeah. Yes.
0: Of, this
1: is, I was saying earlier to Jim Jackson, like, the vibes here are the best I've felt yeah. for the Flyers in a really long time. It feels special. In a way that I miss from this franchise and
4: social this, yeah.
1: this was really refreshing. The Flyers are special. Like, yeah. I don't know what it is,
2: <laughs> but there's something about
4: them orange sure and
2: black, yeah. you know, <laughs> like I, but, I, but I, I, know, honestly, I want to love them. I think that's part of the reason why people are so mad. Yeah. Is because yeah. the Flyers are so special to so many people. That's, and it's like it it, it it gets them really angry that it doesn't feel the way it's it's yeah. Hate yeah. is not the opposite of love
1: they are very very similar like indifference is the opposite of love you yeah, know yeah, like yeah. The, the anger like I don't get angry at strangers when they let me down I'm like okay you're, I don't care <laughs> like, yeah. like when your family disappoints you that sucks Yeah, that, yeah. like that's kind of like the vibe and I'm happy like stuff like this is back in the world is normal-ish enough again yeah. that yeah. we can do this and be part of this
2: yeah this was a, a really fun day And I was, when I went and watched Down to the Floor, it was just, like, wall-to-wall people. The entire upstairs is filled with people waiting for autographs. And it's just kind of nice because, like, we all, everyone jokes about how much they hate the Flyers now. No one hates the Flyers. We all love this stupid team. Yeah. And it's really just fun to see it in action because you don't get to see it in action too much these
4: days
0: no you don't yeah no i mean this is my first time being at any carnival and like just seeing just how important a, a this team is you
4: said
6: earlier, you've never been i've never, never been on a
0: ferris wheel in my entire life Why? so like i know that's great there's still time yeah so, you got time i can run Get in there right now yeah. um but <laughs> like cake here? oh yeah maybe i can do it in a bear or something but um no like i haven't seen a flyer's carnival before and here comes gritty he's probably gonna do something but um It's like, it really is cool seeing just how important this team is to this city. And Charlie, like you mentioned, like, this is, maybe that is kind of why everyone is so angry. Because they love this team so much, and it it all makes sense, so. Alright, well it was a uh, successful day here at
1: the Flyers Charities Carnival. Thank you all for listening. Your thank wife you. was almost run down by one of Gritty's Secret Service agents.
2: <laughs> Where are you almost?
1: <laughs> those segways, man! You gotta watch out for those things. They're dangerous. Gritty just—those Secret Service don't mess around. No, no, they just no. ran over a kid trying to get on the escalator <laughs>
2: earlier. the
1: <laughs> way, make way for Gritty. All right, so uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, content, baby. Uh, That's it for me, for Charlie, for Kelly, for Ryan, for Steve. Have a great week, everybody. It's 2023, and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Freaking Rocks.